0: So this next pop culture artifact is not exactly it is science fiction in the strictest sense of the term. <laughs> it is about science and it is also about fiction. It
1: happens to be fiction. Yes, and yes. it is
0: the story of um we're we're calling this episode The Creator because it is the story of Elizabeth Holmes, the now infamous creator of Theranos, a company that supposedly had revolutionized The way that blood tests were going to be done to, quote unquote, save the world or something like that. And then it turns out that all of her accomplishments were, in fact, fiction.
1: Get it? Science?
0: It's not real. Fiction. Yeah, yeah. She was not, her company was not able to do any of those things. So a billion dollar company now, multi-billion-dollar
1: company, been. yeah, had to have been.
0: Is now worth
1: on paper. I mean, you know, the money was. It wasn't like they had gold in a warehouse. Yeah, but it's like it's all about the idea. I mean, the valuation of a company like Theranos was only about its potential because because yeah. it, it hadn't delivered. It was just about investors and who's going to fund this and yeah, you know, it was kind of like a big paper castle. This is Weird Religion, a podcast for people who know religion is weird but love it anyway.
0: I'm your host, Leah Payne. I'm a professor, historian, author, and I hope someday to invent the next revolution in family laundry care, self-folding clothes.
1: (laughs) I would buy those. Mm -hmm. I'm your host, Brian Doak. I'm an author, professor, biblical scholar, and I still claim to have invented the culinary practice of shredding cheddar cheese and melting it over tortilla chips in the microwave on a paper plate at 11pm.
0: I don't know. I did. (laughs) Today we're talking about the podcast, The Dropout and the HBO documentary, The Inventor about Elizabeth Holmes, the now disgraced founder of Theranos.
1: Theranos promised a simple blood test that would, almost like science fiction, change history and save humanity.
0: Indeed. It turned out to be both science and fiction.
1: We'll get into ancient mother goddess figures, women on women, workplace violence.
0: And the circus
1: join us join
0: us yeah so it was basically like the old-timey speculation you know game right? and then she lost, which is interesting because it actually made me think a little bit about the gold rush and it all happens in the Bay Area, which is where like gold rushers went, you know? Why do
1: people come out West to have these like go they broke have, dreams?
0: Yeah, I don't know, but they keep doing it. I mean, there's something that's really romantic about that to people. I'm from this area. Yeah, you were so, born here. You, yeah, you, I'm like fifth generation. I was
1: very much when I moved from from Boston, Massachusetts area, which is not where I grew up, but lived there for six years, five years. When I moved to here from there, I very much saw the move along like Oregon Trail lines, like migration westward.
0: There's this mythical like journey. Even Even
1: Abraham is called out, is called west from Babylon into Israel. He goes west, and Israel in exile goes east. And so the direction eastward migrations are is the direction of of sin and captivity. Westward is the direction of freedom. And in the American sort of Christian imagination. I think that that probably wasn't lost on people.
0: Yeah. I mean, in the immortal words of the Bible and Michael W. Smith, go us, young man. Okay. <laughs> Does he say was that? For y'all.
1: I thought you were going to sing Friends Are Friends Forever.
0: Oh, no. Uh, that was a deeper cut of Michael W. Friends Smith. Friends Are Friends Forever.
1: West,
0: <laughs> yeah. That, that that song still makes me terrible. Okay. Okay. I've got a question for you yeah. about this. And here it is um, Elizabeth Holmes. Mm hmm. Why why she succeeded has been the topic of many documentaries. There's one on HBO.
1: The inventor is that one the called the
0: inventor. Yeah, there's um, a podcast, a podcast the that drop we listen out. to. The dropout. Yeah, there's all these ideas about why she succeeded. But I want to pose one to you. Oh, you expert in ancient biblical communities and mm. like the religion practices of the ancient religious practices of the ancient Near East. All right. Okay. Is there something in humans, especially men, that has this construct of the feminine divine that they're just
1: after? Yeah. Well, my first thought there is that when you go back into a lot of... Okay, so first, so many things here. First, I mean, there's this kind of like scholarly mythology about the feminine divine, especially in ancient Europe. like.
0: The Da Vinci Code.
1: Yeah, kind of like that. Like the, the idea, like there's a famous art artifact. There's a famous artifact called the Venus of Willendorf. You can mm-hmm. go look it up. It's, I forgot how old it is. It's tens of thousands of years old, allegedly. And it's this like very rotund, full-breasted image of a woman. Okay. People have- Oh one, yeah, I
0: think I've seen that. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: yeah. It's, it's popular in art history textbooks and so on. But it, it kind of, these female figurines that have been found in prehistoric Europe are she,
0: she's headless, right? Headless, yeah, yeah, I
1: think she is. But other others other examples of this type of figure do have heads. Okay. And so the question is like, are these instantiations of some kind of ancient mother goddess figure? And was prehistoric Europe or were a lot of prehistoric societies actually matriarchal, not patriarchal? Mm. And did they worship this like mother goddess figure until the horse riding, Zeus worshiping, war-loving Those darn Romans and Greeks the, Greeks, the ancestors of the Greeks, the Greeks first they in come in and then they change the kind of cosmos. And then all these stories are told. This is all part of the scholarly mythology. The stories are told then of like, there'll be a male deity who will defeat a female deity. The Enuma Elish, the Babylonian story, for example, yeah, Tiamat yeah, yeah. is this female goddess, and but she has to get cut up and dismembered in order for the male god Marduk to really succeed. And so... Anyway, so the first answer is like, yeah, there's this whole scholarly sort of mythology about maybe maybe all primitive societies were actually matriarchal or at least more gender balanced. But you find like, say, even in ancient Israel, there are all these female figurines like this. Asherah? Yeah, Asherah, like yeah. supposedly, I mean, whether they were actually Asherah figurines or not. We have in material culture from the ancient Near East, a lot of these open-breasted female figures, which apparently must have represented... Some kind of thing. Now, was it an object of allure for men, or was it in fact part of like women's religion, like it related to ch- childbirth Childbearing, Yeah. And the kind of pain that women would experience in communities with each other. Is is that what those were about?
0: And of course, I could see it both ways because having recently gone through childbirth myself, mm. um, I I was re reminded that you are taking your life in your own hands. Yeah. And today we have a lot more resources than women did back then, but right. that would be a terrifying oh, prospect. Yeah. And you want a in goddess? The ancient world, yeah.
1: And you want a goddess to sort of guide you through. So I guess I'm sort of taking, I'm flipping the question a little bit, saying, Oh, I, you know, I don't know if it's, it's men necessarily that need this woman. I'm sure men did worship female deities and women worship male deities in the ancient world. But it could have been that, you know, this was these kind of ancient goddess figures were somehow very important in women's so-called popular religion or something like that, as opposed to the official expressions that you'd find like in a text where like men and scribes control text, but women have a totally different kind of expression.
0: Interesting. Well, it's the reason why I ask this question, of course, is that when I was watching um the documentary especially um but then also listening to the podcast yeah. it quickly became clear to me that the vast majority of elizabeth holme's supporters mm-hmm. were old men yes like the vast majority some of them hugely influential right. men right. like Head of the State Department type right. um, men, right. and that women were significantly less likely. The closer they got to her, they were less likely to be charmed by her. Oh,
1: okay. So now, now it's now it's on. Now it's getting real. I know. Because yeah. So I've there's got- this
0: one character. <laughs> I don't know if you uh, remember this from the podcast because she doesn't make as big of a splash on the podcast. I don't yeah. know. But there's this this uh, female professor from Stanford who was one of her uh, oh, yeah, Elizabeth Holmes' her. original yes, professors. I, I remember her. Who was like, yeah, she came to me with this idea that basically kind of the prototypical right. idea for Theranos. Right. And yeah, it, it's impossible to do. Like what she was proposing is impossible. And now, that was it.
1: Now, do you think that this is an example of, okay, now it turns out, okay, Elizabeth Holmes, the product she had this blood testing kit, yes. I mean, l- let's just back up. Like, what was it supposed to have done? It was supposed to have, instead of like, you know how well you, you go in for blood testing yeah. and they got like all these different blood tests and they're they always- They get po-
0: into a vein. They're
1: into a vein, they're poking you with needles and blah, blah, blah. What she was proposing was some kind of contraption or device or system where you could just poke somebody, get a little bit of blood and suddenly it would run like 50 or 70 or some huge number of what used to be discrete blood tests- in a single moment, which would revolutionize the entire medical industry, yeah. would revolutionize everything. So and if,
0: global healthcare because you could take health. it abroad. Oh yeah. yeah.
1: So if it would have worked, it would have been a big deal. Now yes. on this point about women and men and this, are you are you suggesting that this is like women on women violence kind of thing? Or it like reminds me of a joke from Veep, the, the TV show Veep. <laughs> she says uh, the, the the Julia Louis Dreyfus character <laughs> says, "There's only one group of people who hates women more than men." and its women.
0: Uh, okay. So
1: are they are they basically are you saying people are you saying women hated her because she was beautiful and she was succeeding but like men no. were like and men were like no, 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 no. worshipping her and throwing money at her even though her product was fake because she was gorgeous to them?
0: Um well, I was uh, perhaps suggesting the latter, uh, like that, that, that there was some part of her that was like the brilliant granddaughter that they yes. never had, oh, that I they see. fell in love with, right. not necessarily in a sexual way, but in like this idea, the idea of her, right? Mm-hmm. Like the, one of the things that keeps coming up throughout is that everyone's waiting for this messianic Lady Steve Jobs. Yes. Right, like yes. they want a woman right. who has all the brilliance of Steve Jobs. And then here you have this attractive white blonde woman who right. likes to wear black turtlenecks. Right. And they get into a lot of details about when she decided to start wearing that black turtleneck. Right. She says that she did it before she knew about Steve Jobs. Everybody else says, no, she's totally copying Steve Jobs. But anyway, people find this, like they find in her, right. they project like a certain fantasy mm-hmm. upon her. And this woman from Stanford is like, no, I mean, it's impossible to do this particular test. And so I was wondering, so to me, the most far-fetched idea was like, what if there's something that there's a vibe that she's putting out there Mm -hmm. that is like, they want to worship her kind of.
1: Oh, yeah. Like she becomes a kind of like divinity in some way. Yeah. Well, people did want to worship Steve Jobs.
0: Exactly. Right? Like the myth- right? the kind
1: of mythos of Steve Jobs is that he was this mean like jerk of a CEO, inventor kind of guy. They did, yeah. And people worshipped. And anytime somebody has an iconic outfit, that helps for like cult leader kind of status.
0: For sure. Like, you, you know, the Rajneesh yep. like had a certain outfit yep. Yep. and yep. she also had a certain outfit and right. she had this iconic voice.
1: Yes. Which... Well, It's interesting. Yeah, well, okay. Yes. So the the iconic voice was that she spoke, she speaks almost like looking at her compared with culturally what you'll expect when you watch a video of her. It's a very low voice. Yes. And you're like, wait a minute, that voice is coming out of her? Now, there's a huge controversy about this voice though. People from her younger age, and this came up, I think, in the podcast. Yes. One of the later episodes said that when they knew her, she didn't talk like that at all.
0: Oh, yeah. And if you Google, like you can do a YouTube search and there's video footage of her sounding... Not not dissimilar to me, like you know the oh, the, really? the register I, I didn't of see her any voice, of those. yeah. And then then there's when she's talking like this, it right. seems like an obvious effect
1: to right. her
0: voice. In fact, I'm doing a pretty solid impression of her right uh, now.
1: Yeah, it's solid. No, that's solid. I, I'm talking to Elizabeth Holmes. We have Elizabeth <laughs> Holmes is here, everybody. Um, Greetings. Okay, okay, so she's trying to become she's trying to become a man, right? Like she's becoming a man, like Steve Jobs. She's trying to dress like a man. She's well, trying to become a, a male. And she's trying to talk like a man in order to basically be accepted. But then.
0: See, I didn't read it as becoming a man.
1: She has to be more masculine in order to be accepted in some way.
0: I read it as like experimenting with authority. And like there's a gendered quality to that. So, but like if you're going to create a version, if you're going to be authoritative, mm-hmm. especially in Silicon Valley, mm-hmm. which by the way, Highly recommend the show Silicon Valley. It's hilarious. Uh, That's a whole other thing. Oh my gosh, it's so funny. But anyway, like there's a lot of humor. There's a lot of fun uh, had at the expense of Silicon Valley and kind of the excesses and like the nerd culture Mm -hmm. and the celebrity culture. And so she puts all these things together in a way. I could see someone self-consciously thinking like, okay, okay. If I'm giving a TED Talk, you know, like, what do I want to look like? What do I want to sound like? And to me, the really successful people are the ones who self-consciously put that on, but then also believe it themselves. Right. Like, it was once a put-on affect but then all of a sudden it it is real yeah like she believe like
1: she believes that's her voice to such an extent it just becomes her voice yeah i don't think there's any way around the fact though i mean you you acknowledge that it was gendered like she's trying to speak like a man oh yeah that's what i mean so in other words she is trying to like shoehorn herself or other people were maybe trying to shoehorn her into i don't know it's weird like talk about this there seems to be like some kind of cross dynamic here like on the one hand if she's doing things to try to be like a male Speak lower, like men have lower voices yeah. and wear the turtleneck, which like Steve Jobs, who's not a woman, who's a man and men lead companies and all these like uh. stereotypes. She's trying to do that on the one hand. On the other hand, these males who are investors are trying to prop her up, maybe because like you said, maybe it's because... They saw her as a granddaughter figure. Maybe for some people, it was sexual attraction. She also had a relationship with one of her coworkers. Sunny or, something. Yeah, so, yeah. You know, and he was then part of it. They're not a couple anymore Through after all this. Yeah, surprise. But how much of this is a story also about a group which has been Silicon Valley, which has been predominantly a very sexist group run almost extraordinarily by men yes. who was looking in a moment of rather careless tokenism to try to promote, despite anything that was underneath it, a yes. woman to a position of prominence.
0: Yeah, in spite of literally all evidence to the <laughs> right. contrary, right? Like one of the things that, one of the things that they talk about on the podcast and in the documentary is that the board of directors has almost no sci- I think no scientists. The only person who has a medical degree is Senator Bill Frist. Well, the only reason why I know who he is is because he was from my former home state of Tennessee, oh. and he was a medical doctor. But oh. he's been in politics for a long time, so, right?
1: No, no one who could vet her ideas no or call one. her one.
0: Yeah, who could even understand what? I'm not a medical doctor, but apparently, is common sense that you cannot do this. That this cannot be accomplished. Yeah. Um, but I want to, I want to suggest another reading of 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 her look and stuff, and then see what you think yeah. as it relates to like Silicon Valley. Yeah, I wonder if not so much or maybe even in addition to the masculine stuff, I looked at her as almost embodying like a religious order. Like she was sort of a nun for her company because she kept her relationship super secret. She wore all black, which is what members of the clergy um, traditionally have done and like what members of religious orders have done. And in a way, she kind of made herself asexual. Like Hmm. she was, she's very, I think she's very, she has traditionally attractive features, you know, Mm -hmm. like traditional Western, whatever. Um, And she would wear makeup and stuff like that. So she wasn't trying to make herself look ugly, you know, or anything like that. But she was, um, I think, trying to make herself like, there's a great scene from the, not that historically correct, but still really stirring uh, Queen Elizabeth biopic starring Kate Blanchett. I think it's called Elizabeth Rex or something, or maybe it's just Elizabeth. Uh And there's this scene where she becomes... The Virgin Queen, oh. basically. Maybe oh. it's just called the Virgin Queen, where she goes from being, like, normal person who has, like, sexual desires and potentially has a sexual pairing mm-hmm. to this woman who now has to become this symbol for our people.
1: Right. Almost a kind of papal transformation.
0: Yeah. So, I was wondering if Elizabeth Holmes, like, you know, people were really looking for something to believe in, mm-hmm. and she was, like, creating a, a form.
1: Right. Yeah, I like that reading a lot of the idea of her as a kind of like a monastic figure maybe. and so on. And her personal, okay. So I think, I think she's probably more attractive than you're giving her credit for, and oh, okay, that that's yeah. more of the appeal. But
0: maybe she is. She's, I
1: mean, she's not like a supermodel. I'm just saying, like, yeah. I think, I think that's probably a part of it. But interpersonally, the sense is like that she was kind of robotic, or that she had yeah. kind of a certain kind of vacancy around people. Like they mentioned this, I think, in the podcast. Uh-huh, like, yeah and so maybe that kind of stuff did undercut or or I guess I even I even like just said it earlier in the conversation like oh yeah you look at her and you don't expect that voice to come out of her <laughs> right so there's like a kind of a mismatch there that maybe threw off expectations i guess i'm just so but what's the actual content though of that religious experience it's this desire to see what Like what was the actual? So yes, she embodied it. She wore the black. She was okay. I got it. What was what was the content of the religion though that she embodied? Was it was it as I, at least softly suggested, this kind of token idea that we needed to promote a woman as a CEO, inventor, genius when only we'd vaunted men in this position? Was that the content of the worship, or was it something else?
0: Oh, okay. I definitely think that was one of their failed eschatological hopes, right? Like Mm -hmm. that she was ushering in this new age. That was right. going to be like, and now women are going to women be will drop this out of Stanford. everywhere. Mark
1: Zuckerberg dropped out of Harvard and and um, Bill Gates dropped out of whatever. Wherever. Har- wherever. And um, now she drops C. out C. of Jobs Stanford. Went
0: to read, I think, for did a while. He, oh, did he? Okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So
1: this idea of dropping out, she embodied that mythology as well. That kind of almost... Yeah. You know, you know, it's almost like Jesus coming to the temple and rejecting the temple.
0: Right. You know, right. you kind
1: of, there's she, a ritual. You part overturn of, the tables yeah. and you're not a part of the order. You know, and so she's maybe that's part of the content or her yeah. initiation into it.
0: I got the feeling, and this is what I got from watching Bill Clinton interview her, where he. He basically is like, "How old were you when you started this company?" And I think she says something like nineteen or something yeah. just so improbable like that. Yeah. And he says, the future is safe, y'all in his very charming Arkansas kind of a way. And the thing that I walked away from that, I think that the the promised religious experience was the same as it is for any Silicon Valley juggernaut, which is to, quote-unquote, make the world a better place. Mm-hmm. Like, she says that a gazillion times, right? right. Like, I am I just want to make the world a better place. And she has this tear-jerky story about her uncle who died before his time, and mm-hmm. if he would have had this stuff available, and I don't even remember how he died. But, right. you know, so I think that in some ways, like, there's a universal quality um, And so, in some ways, people were investing in the same thing, but there was so much more excitement because she had this promise of being this woman who, like, Mm -hmm. you know— they just wanted her to be a genius so badly, right. and she was in a weird way. She was a promotional genius,
1: right? Well, right. That's that's kind of the irony of it, or genius. maybe not irony, but like, yeah, she was a genius. Like, she did have there was something going on. She just there didn't
0: make this blood test. That was
1: really good, but it's all. I'm very interested in the psychology of people who do this thing where they go so far with something. Like, did you see those um, that fire festival documentary either on Hulu or Netflix? No, do I need oh, to? Oh yeah, because it, oh it,
0: yeah, F- what Fry? Uh, Is that what it's called? No, it's a
1: fire, fire, F Y R E. Oh, it's like that's that. Right. It's like okay, that, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Fire. It's like this music festival the thing that, that
0: never actually happens. that never actually happened. Okay. It was
1: they were gonna have it on this island. <laughs> I forgot what it's called on who's Netflix. The, whatever. Who's
0: the artist that's supposed to be have been putting this on?
1: Oh yeah, I think it was Ja Rule. <laughs>
0: Like randomly. Yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. And he's just like this huckster, and he's like, he he gets caught lying on tape about all this stuff. Like anyway, but it's it's a parallel story about somebody who is putting something on, and just this guy. I think his name is Billy or something like that. Is that his name? Billy? Yeah, Billy. Okay. Um, and Billy
0: Our one of our our engineer has our sound
1: engineer is much hipper than us, and definitely Luke knows. Yeah, so like Billy and Ja Rule are putting this thing on, and Billy's just like, he's just Haunting people out of everything, but he knows the whole time he has to know that they're not actually going to pull it off, and he's like headed. It's like it's like someone's just like oh. in this car that's on fire, headed off a cliff, and they know it. And so, to what extent, if Elizabeth Holmes is as smart as she must have been, even to have made it into Stanford, yeah. something that I could have never done as an undergraduate. Oh, me neither. And then to have even even to talk the language or to use the entrapments or whatever the accoutrement of like this whole world. But then know that it was vacant, so okay. she had to have known that it was it was just like a burning, burning railroad car headed off a cliff, <laughs> and so it, did she think it was going to magically become real at some point?
0: Okay, I have so that's, many. That's thoughts.
1: quasi-religious in and of itself. Like
0: yeah, okay. Yeah, okay. So a couple of different thoughts. I mean, one of them is in some ways, like in retrospect, we can say that both of those things, the music festival and Theranos were a bad bet, right? Because it's like, well, you you invest in something and we were expecting one thing to happen and it didn't happen. But then on the other hand, there are all mm-hmm. these stories, story after story of these zany, optimistic Americans mm-hmm. who like create something and then somehow it actually works out. Like I got the feeling with <laughs> with with Elizabeth Holmes that she was trying to buy time, right? She's like right. we're going to figure it out. We're going to figure it out. If we just she was hiring the smartest people in the world like right. to tr- come and try and help her do it. And you know like there's this almost comical scene where they're talking about Joe Biden coming to visit and they're trying to like construct this fake world (laughs) where he gets to come and see the tests set up and they do it and it's like ridiculous the lengths that they go so there are stories of of people who like make that a success and then there are also stories of people who sell really random things like Barnum Bailey you know like a a literal circus I think there's like a part of of the American ethos that is like we're always looking for a circus ringmaster like we want to like go there as a culture
1: but Maybe maybe her fatal flaw then in this venture is to just see, okay, what is the fundamental difference though? In a circus, you're going in, I'm ready to be tricked. Right. I'm ready to be I paid my twenty five bucks. Let's see someone, you know a
0: contortionist. Uh, let's see or a contortionist.
1: Let's see someone walk on a high wire and we're like, oh, they're gonna fall. They're wobbling, but they're faking that they're wobbling. Right, and they've done this right. forty thousand times and they're never gonna fall. And even if they did, oh, there's no net, but there's actually a net. Right. Or, or there's like some invisible cord connecting them. And I know I'm being fooled. It's like going to yeah. a magic show. Sure. I know I'm being duped. I don't want to know I'm being duped when I'm investing like a billion dollars in somebody to change, you know, the way that blood tests are done.
0: Yeah. 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 Well, like that's
1: that's not the kind of thing where it's like, it'd be like going to your doctor and being like, oh, this is going to be a fun game going to my doctor. Like, I hope they tell me like weird stuff that's like yes. fake about my blood tests and about like what kind of diseases I might have. Well, like and that's they, a very different game.
0: That's true. And they talk about, there's like on one level, there's a part where it's like silly wealthy people with more money than sense doing dumb stuff with their money. Yeah. Like there's a scene where they talk about all these wealthy people, like the DeVos family and yeah. all these folks They end up, investing hundreds of millions of dollars basically because their friends were like, oh yeah, I did it. And mm-hmm. so then this weird kind of peer pressure. But then there are the horribly tragic stories of right. people who got the wrong test results because they rolled it out in Walgreens before anyone figured out that yeah, it didn't yeah, work. Yeah, because
1: if it doesn't work, people are going to, that's that's what I mean about the burning car yeah. going off the cliff. You know it's not, wor- she knew it didn't work.
0: But I think that like, this is certainly true in religious communities. Even when it's been proven to be false, mm-hmm. some people still want to believe in the hope
1: of it. But that's more like the circus model where it's like, and I think- But it,
0: even if they think, even if they're like disillusioned, they still want to believe.
1: Yeah. I mean, it, it raises the question, does does the religious impulse, does that kind of, wherever that comes from inside of us, is that more like a science game though, where it's like, it's about evidence and like what's true and what's not, or is it more like a magic act, which I don't mean as a put down on religion, yeah. but in terms of the emotions that are involved and like the kind of game that you're playing and like, it's a much more- Full, yeah, it's just it, it's just a different experience, I think, in a way. And I think religion is closer to that kind of game that's being played. And so to see her that way, I just think the content of what she was doing
0: It's horribly corrupt and just it's terrible.
1: It just didn't work. Whereas I don't look, I, I don't look at Um, you know, a circus as like a corrupt enterprise. It probably is corrupt. They probably abuse animals and so on.
0: yeah, yeah. I'm just saying like the
1: content of it in terms of like the science, it's like we know it either works or it doesn't. Whereas if I pray, it's hard to know whether my prayer worked or whether (sighs) it didn't. And that's a very different kind of engagement, I think. Or it's hard to know, say in a marriage, like whether a day was full of love or the opposite. Like it's something that you kind of like work out. And I think faith is more like that. Whereas... A blood test either worked or it did not. And hers did not, and she knew it. And it's like, but she was playing this other game, just like you're talking about.
0: Yeah. Well, I think the magic of her is that I'm not sure she would listen to our account of her and agree. Like, mm. I think, I don't even know if she thinks that she was tricking people. I sort of wonder if the magic <laughs> right. is that she is is still a true believer. Wow. Because they were talking about her, like, in her deposition mm-hmm. and just being like... I'm just going to go with it. Right. Yeah. You know, they would ask her, you know, did right. you lie? No, I didn't.
1: Well, the, po- the podcast has a couple of moments where it seemed like she was almost acknowledging, like she had to just softly say repeatedly, like, no, no, no. And she was almost there, but I think you're right that she was maybe in this delusional space.
0: Well, one thing, I can't remember if it, is it the podcast or the documentary where they talk about her family background uh, and uh-huh. how she was from this family that historically had been very privileged, like the Vanderbilts or whatever. Yeah, yeah, But then, generationally, they had lost that wealth. But there was this kind of sense within the family themselves mm-hmm. that they needed to reclaim it, that they were, like, owed something by the world. Yeah, right. And that they had she had leveraged those relationships like those traditionally privileged relationships I think like that part of her bio Mm -hmm. I don't understand Hmm. and I almost wish that I could ask someone who was raised in that environment like what it's like to have that sense of entitlement
1: what do you think you know bottom line is her story an empowering one for women in some way Oh gosh. Like, does ultimately, can we look at her like this feminine divine who's like was controlling all these men and see some kind of, or ultimately, is this a disaster for women in leadership roles because it was fake and so on? Oh gosh.
0: Well, I mean, I think I, I'm never one to say that it's just one or the other. Mm. I'm rarely one to say it's oh, one or the other.
1: Rarely, but, but today.
0: So, no. overall, <laughs> I would say that this is going to. And I don't know, I would speculate that this is going to be hard for women, make things a little bit harder for women mm-hmm. in the Silicon Valley. Because mm-hmm. when the actual woman who resemb- whose bio resembles in some ways Steve Jobs comes along mm-hmm. with a really genius idea, and maybe, I'm sure she's already doing stuff right now. Like, when she comes along, she's going to have to pay for Elizabeth Holmes. Right. Like, there will be a lot more verification before trust is built. Mm-hmm. I guess... The the part of me that sort of has a soft spot for the circus like aspects of American culture it laughs a little bit at at the circus around yes. her like I guess I kind of admire it a little bit even though it is heinous like <laughs> when, there was a you know a, the story of a woman with cancer mm-hmm. or, or a cancer survivor who was trying to take a test to see where her estrogen levels were. And mm-hmm. she got the test back from Theranos and it said she had the estrogen level of a 35-year-old, which was like, I don't know, maybe 20 years too young. Yeah. And so she was convinced that she had cancer again. Like, oh. this is an evil thing, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. So there's a little part of me that's like, oh, that's, you know, kind of charming and like this idea of the feminine divine. But then like the regular part of me is like, this is horrible. How about you?
1: back to your, okay, so back to your opening kind of statement about how women were were very hard on her, but these men were like giving her this huge pass. Uh So in this case, and maybe maybe it could even be broader, like if women are hard on women, but maybe not, you know, do you think that it's like you could draw a grid like in these kind of professional situations, women are very hard, tough on other women, but not as tough on men. Men are very tough on men, but not as tough on women. Do you think that that's true?
0: I don't know if I accept that that professor was hard, especially hard on her.
1: No, because I guess that was the exception because it was actually she was just telling the truth about like <laughs> the science that she saw. I'm just trying to make it bigger than this, yeah, okay? Yeah. Like, okay, wait, wait, because this we, is a dynamic. That yeah. was my Veep joke, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, that like yeah. women are just like very can be very hard on other women professionally mm-hmm, mm-hmm. instead of like being like team woman, you know, da 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 da. Yeah, yeah. Whereas like, but then our men sometimes like harder on women and then easier on men so that women are just basically getting it from everybody all the time
0: I definitely have been in work environments where I have felt that that is the case
1: Yeah, <laughs> I'll so, just say that so like I'm the, trying to
0: think of a diplomatic it's way the, to it's say like that it's like the worst
1: of all worlds like yeah. you know uh, it's hard out there. women are scrutinizing each other in this way and men are too and you're basically we'll just it just goes to show you like we'll just use gender if we have to to try to win over somebody maybe, if, ne- if needed
0: maybe we need a feminine divine let's bring that back
1: go back to prehistoric Europe <laughs> Hey, thanks for listening, weirdos.
0: We love all our weirdos, near and far.
1: For extras and extra nerdy Easter eggs on subjects covered in this episode, don't forget to click on the hyperlinks in each episode's description on our website, weirdreligion.com.
0: And join our social media conversations about religion and pop culture on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Weird Religion.
1: And we're YouTubing now, so find us on YouTube. YouTube us. (laughs)
0: No. <laughs> These episodes were produced at Stone Bear Studios, engineered by Luke DiLorenzo, and executive produced by Troy Wellstad.
1: Our theme music is by Cassie Blum, and our album artwork by John Williams. A
0: special shout out to Portland Seminary for sponsoring the season and to Trigger the Studio Dog.
1: When you podcast, podcast with us. Bye.